You're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now let's get down to business. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Wrap. This is episode 68. It's hard to believe that we have already done this many episodes. We're continuing with our series focusing on our industry experts. And today, uh, I'm really excited first to welcome my co-host to this episode, Miss Cindy Warren. She is a fellow managing partner down in our Pensacola office, and I'm excited to have you with us, Cindy. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and this is our last recording of 2023. Can't believe another year is over and we're headed to another new year. I can't believe it either. I can't believe we're talking about 2024. Time seems to go <laughs> faster and faster, but yeah. And uh, today our guests are Brandon Crosby. He's also down in our Florida Gulf Coast area and Charles Bailey, one of my fellow Atlanta partners. So uh, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. Absolutely, guys. And thank you for having me today. My name is Brandon Crosby. As Kim mentioned, I've been a uh, partner with the firm for a couple of years, been in public accounting for well over 10 years and got the privilege to work with many restaurants, breweries and distilleries in the area. So nonetheless, a great space to be in. And thank you for having me again. Hey, this is Charles Bailey. Kim and Sandy want to thank you for having me as well. I've been working with restaurants since I got out of school, which has been a little over 30 years ago. Um, it's been a great practice. I've enjoyed it. Brandon now is the director for our retail and hospitality group and has done a great job and look forward to what we're going to talk about today. A lot of great things are going on in the industry. So every industry has its challenges and we'd like to hear from you guys today about some of those challenges in the retail and consumer group and how they are impacting those businesses. Absolutely. And and Cindy, I, I recently had the opportunity to attend the Restaurant Finance Monitor's annual Restaurant Finance and Development Conference. And this is a, a great group that gets together every year, probably about 5,000 or so attendees. And some of the challenges that they mentioned really revolved around staffing shortages, food costs and restaurants, as you would expect, really just struggling with inflation and trying to figure out how to maintain a healthy level of profitability. Um, many restaurants experience food cost of anywhere of an increase of 18 to 22%. So you can see that that's challenging and really navigating through that, walking through that, um, 2024 is probably going to have similar challenges, but we're hoping that it's going to ease up a little bit as we continue to go ahead. You know, one of the things that you talked about, Brandon, was, you know, occupancy costs, as well as a lot of other costs that are going up, you know, um, one of the rules of thumb I always hear about is you should try to estimate that your how much your rent's going to be in terms of gross sales, and I, you always either compare it to gross sales or you compare it to square foot. And I would say that you know the, the best percentage to use is six to ten percent of gross sales. And and the reason why I say this is we're starting to see occupancy costs going up. Um, I don't know if it's because COVID's over and everybody's trying to take advantage of the market now. Um, people are eating out a lot more. But occupancy costs are definitely going up. Um, matter of fact, there was a survey I read the other day, and it's talking about 65% of operators say that their overall occupancy costs for 23 were a lot higher than they were for 22. Um, I'm seeing what's happened to the menu pricing on that. There's a couple of restaurants I've been to, and I happen to know the owners, and I know that their rents have gone up, and they're trying to pass that along. And 
that can definitely have a huge impact on your, in your survivability. I, I was at a restaurant not too long ago and it's not an upscale restaurant, but because the occupancy cost, a hamburger was $26. Yeah. Well, most of you know that my husband is a restaurant owner and, um, I can certainly attest to the increase in costs of labor and food and all those things. And certainly trying to get the general public to understand the increase of a $26 hamburger is not because the owner's pocketing, you know, 50% of that. It's they're, they're just trying to make a meager profit out of that and just cover their costs. So that's definitely a challenge of trying to get the public to understand that. But um, so Brandon, talk to me a little bit about um, how these challenges impact their finances and their financial statements for, for owners of retail and consumer. Yeah, it's got a direct impact. Um, it really affects the bottom line, as you would expect. In fact, pre-COVID, we would see many restaurants operate at a net income level of about 5%. That would be pretty standard. Um, if those same restaurants were not to increase their prices as a result of inflation, they would have a net loss of 10% or more. So you can see that this has really affected a lot of people. Um, hopefully, the restaurants that are seeing these changes or re- revisiting their menu prices, um, updating their menu prices regularly, and just having the confidence to do that and pass some of that cost on to the customer and try to make this a viable situation for both parties. One one thing I would add to that is uh, talking about rising prices, um, going back just for a second on occupancy, you know, one of the things that you can try to do to combat inflation is try to see if you can't get into a sublease um, that's that's another way to get it, try to get a good start on getting in at a lower price. Um, the other thing, if you've got a concept, um, this is kind of neat in New York. There's a there's a building, and the restaurant's only open Monday through Friday, and it's a very very nice upscaled restaurant. But what they did is they took a concept. They do probably almost ten million dollars a year, but they catered it just for the people that are in that building, and they have a rooftop bar. So that's all. What, that's something else. If you've got a concept that you think might can work. That's great. They're Monday through Friday and their hours, you know, they're pretty stable because they're just there for, really for the employees. It's amazing how businesses adapt to those challenges. And, you know, they use the resources that they have and change things around. Um, so I'm interested. I, I know you've talked a little bit about about this, but in terms of their overall business strategy, are you seeing changes, big changes as a result of these challenges? Yeah. So, Cindy, to answer your question, yes, companies and industry have begun bringing elevated offerings to their customers, such as outdoor dining, locally sourced menus, delivery options, and alcohol to go. Alcohol to go has been a very big one that we've seen in this industry. Um, it, some of the stats that are interesting, and I'm sure we've all seen it, 31% of restaurants have cut their number of menu items. Uh, I was at a restaurant here in Atlanta last night. Great restaurant, very nice food but you have maybe five to six selections of your entree, you know, so they've cut back on that, which is, which is interesting. Also operators have reduced the number of vendors that they work with. So they're trying to get consolidated. Also um, there's enough software out there in, in terms of uh, reservations, you know, do it. You can get your own, you can get your own versus having to go through an app. Um, One of the things that I know um, Brandon was talking about profit margins. We are starting to see an increase to pre COVID profits, which is good. We're getting there little by little. So um, so that's kind of some of the ways that businesses are thriving. I know one of the things that that significantly impacts your your profit margin is is labor cost. And we certainly have seen labor costs 
uh, increase over the last few years. So what is happening in the industry to respond to that staffing crisis, I would say? Um, I'm sure many of us have gone through a drive through that has said, you know, the inside's closed. We're only doing drive through or people have cut hours to try to, you know, adapt to that. So what else are we seeing, Brandon, in terms of staffing? Yeah, so the workforce is, is really going through a rebuild right now that we're seeing. Uh, the effects of COVID on unemployment, it was very deep. Uh, a lot of people were affected, really young people, middle-aged people, older people. It goes across the entire board. In fact, uh, millions, if you think about it, were forced to leave their employers during 2020 uh, for various reasons and circle back to re-enter the workforce. So I think now we're seeing a lot of people come back into the workforce um, we're seeing states that are growing exponentially within that workforce, such as California, Florida, Georgia, New York, and Texas. And I think we're going to continue to see those growth numbers continue throughout 2024. Um, I, I think the big thing we're going to really see, though, is some of the older individuals reentering the workforce. Um, we're, we're probably going to see that 60 to 70-year-old group come back and really start exploring the restaurant industry and, and just staying involved and uh, re-entering and just retooling their skill set, if you will. So I think it's going to be an interesting next couple of years ahead, um, but we're going to see some alleviation, certainly. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now, back to the show. I think it's so interesting with the labor force that our younger people are, you know, the number of people employed in, in that age, like 18 to 25, is, is just steadily declining. I think, that's, um, I think that's pretty fascinating, actually. That is interesting, Cindy. And from what we've seen, we're thinking about 30% of 16 to 19-year-olds are expected to enter the workforce between 2031. This number is down 37% compared to previous years. So if you think about it, you've got you know a, a teenage group that's not entering the restaurant workforce as many of us did in the past. And they, there are various reasons for that. It's just certainly a change in demographics, a change in preferences, but it'll be an interesting few years. Charles, talk to us about um, technology. You know, every, every business has big changes constantly happening in technology. And, and I wonder in this business, is that the case as well? Yes, it definitely is. It's funny, you know, for many years, especially, you know, we've got restaurants that are fast food or, ca you know, casual dining, and you've got the counter there and they go through, we always have the cameras focused on the, you know, on the, you know, on the cash drawers, We're always focused on the, you know, the drawers. And, and what we're finding is with labor shortages, and we'll talk about AI, I know we're scared to use that word, but it's, 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 it's in the restaurant space now, and I'll talk about that in a second. But as it comes to, you know, management, some of the things that, you know, restaurants are doing now is they're putting cameras in throughout the whole back kitchen. So it's no longer just focused on the cashiers, but it's focused on everybody. And it's, it helps with management if you stop and think about it. If you've got a, a manager that's, that's over six or eight stores, you know, that's a lot of traveling for them. Well, with technology now, we can actually, they can actually sit there on a computer, see what's going on in each store with each one of the different cameras. So they can find out if people, you know, at the end of the day, they're delivering a product, you know, and, but what you don't know is what's going on besides what's up front, you know, what's going on the back end of the house, what's going on, you know, and so this allows employers to get an idea, you know, you know, 
somebody is sitting on their cell phone all afternoon texting, texting, texting instead of doing their job like they're supposed to. And this would help a, a manager be able to monitor that because we're finding a shortage of labor. So this is just another way to use tools to help us. Now, it's interesting, you know, like Kevin mentioned earlier, I'm in Atlanta and I'm, we're working or I'm working with, I should say, a group from Georgia Tech. And what we're looking to do is we're building AI in such a way that the cameras are not monitored. There are cameras that look like they're monitoring customers coming through the front end. Um, but what happens is we're translating that into like sticks, if you want to think about it that way. So it's just X's and O's. But it helps it helps a manager who may not be there all of a sudden seeing the customers, the lines backing up, gives them a chance to say, hey, who's sitting in the back of the kitchen when they should be out front helping people? And then, so it's going to help, it's going to try to help people monitor the flow. You know, you think about just fast food and stuff like that. It's going to help them be able to monitor the flow if there's people that are just in the back of the kitchen when they should be out front temporarily just helping to get sales done. So that's one way to use AI. And like I said, I've looked at the prototype and it's kind of, it's, it's cute to watch because it's, it's not people, but it's just like little dots and you can just see the customers and you can see the backup, but you also can see if they place their order, how they're moving through the line. And so it's another way just to be able to use technology to monitor your, your, your process. That's so interesting. And also to combat the staffing shortage, uh, I don't know if any of you have been to a restaurant where you had a robot come and take your order or, you know, it's a little moving robot with an iPad and you place your order or, or being able to pay um, with a QR code, you know, just again, ways to, you know, I think people are starting to embrace AI as a way to be more profitable and efficient as opposed to to worrying that it's going to take away your job. You know, when we have these incredible staffing shortages, we've got to figure out ways to let technology help us there. So very interesting um, time for, for some of that stuff. No, I was going to add to that, Kim. You're talking about the QR code. That I've seen that in a couple of restaurants, and it is one of the best things in the world because especially if you go to a restaurant and it's busy, you know, you don't want to have to sit there 15 minutes to wait for your check to come out and get paid and, and walk out. I mean, it's, it's instantaneous right there. So from that perspective, and it saves the server time. So, no, you're right. The QR code is definitely a good way to go. Absolutely. I was going to say that's if you're the restaurant owner, you're the value add of your server wait, waiting time to deliver a check, then go get the credit card, then deliver it back. You know, that's three touch points that take that server away from serving. Um, so definitely a good investment of dollars, you would you would you would think. So I'd love to get both of your perspectives on the new Corporate Transparency Act. You know, what do clients need to be aware of in relation to this? And is there anything specific to the retail consumer industry around this? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Kim. This is a, a topic that is really attracting attention over the past few months. Um, it's been around since 2020 is when it first started as far as from a discussion standpoint. But there there's a lot of attention now because it goes into effect um, January 1st, 2024. And this is going to affect a lot of businesses, pretty much all businesses, and the penalties for not complying are very significant. Um, in fact, any LLC, corporation, or partnership that was formed and registered by the U.S. state is subject to this provision. Um, if it was a, an entity that was formed prior to January 1st, 2024, they have till January 1st, 2025 to comply. And from what we understand, there's a short form. There, there's not a lot of data that they're collecting. 
but it's certainly something that needs to be done. And there will be a portal put up pretty soon, we're hoping, um, on the FinCEN's website that will allow for the entry of this data and allow for the companies to begin this process. And if you have a new entity that's formed January 1st of 2024 and after, they have 30 days after formation to begin this process. So the new entities are really going to have to keep an eye out on this. Hopefully they're aware of it. Um, Hopefully this will help them become aware of it if they're not. Um, But certainly something to keep out for. There really are not many exemptions to this either. Um, You know, a lot of tax laws, you get exemptions for various items, but This is something that they are really hammering down on and taking seriously. The only entities that we're seeing that could be exempt are large operating companies. They have more than 20 full-time employees and more than $5 million in gross receipts on the most recent tax return. Um, Entities that are controlled by another exempt entity. And then also inactive entities, which were formed before January 1st, 2020, have less than $1,000 of funds sent or received within a 12-month period and no further business activity. So you can really see this is going to affect a lot of people across the board. I think part of the process, too, on this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, entities formed after 2024, I think they have maybe 30 days or something like that to comply. And um, right now, the process isn't even open so entities that we see forming early January, I don't know if they're going to have that process up and going. So it could be interesting as to how they enforce this and and monitor that. So Charles, um, maybe you can help the listeners understand just kind of breaking this down a little bit more. But um, what is a beneficial owner and help us understand who who needs to even comply with this? Well, the first thing I have to say is is it, we already have our first litigation case over this new rule. So there's already been And it a hasn't lawsuit. even opened up yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's already, so we've already so we'll see what happens, you know. Um it is something that we, it, we have to wait and see, but yes, there's already a couple of um claims already been filed. So but yeah, but really the whole purpose here is we're just trying to get to underneath the entity level who the best beneficial owners are. You know, and so every company has at least one beneficial owner. Somebody's got to be responsible. So basically what it does, beneficial owners are defined for anyone who owns or controls at least 25% of the company, you know, or has substantial control over the company. So that's kind of one of the first steps. So substantial control could include those who are senior officers, have authority to appoint or remove officers or majority of directors, are considered are also important decision makers. Um, beneficial owners are also people that have any form of substantial control and substantial control is a broad and subjective definition. Um, also one of the things about beneficial owners is on the ownership percentage, it includes ownership of stock, equity, voting rights, convertible instruments, options, and any other non-binding privileges. So that's just kind of a list, the some partial list of the beneficiaries. And that's Really what this is designed to do is to try to get to find out who the real owners are of the businesses. Brandon, you mentioned this before, that there were significant penalties if you didn't comply with this. So what are those penalties? So our listener can be aware. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, You've got civil penalties of $500 for each day that the violation continues. Each day. Let's Each make sure we reiterate day. that. <laughs> and it, you know, that that's, that's amazing because you, you just think how significant that is for many of these small businesses. Um, $500 a day over a week, 
two weeks. That that just really adds up, and it's 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 astronomical. But I think it goes to show how serious they are about this. So hopefully people take it seriously. Um, they go on and apply when they need to, um, because the, the penalties could be even worse than that. There are criminal penalties up to two years of imprisonment and a fine of up to $10,000. So really just want to put this out to our listeners. Take this seriously. Listen out for any changes that may occur and just be sure to jump on this pretty quickly. Well, here on The Wrap, we like to wrap it up in 60 seconds or less with that bit of information that we want to leave in the minds of our listeners. So what would you guys share with us for that wrap up? You know, I would leave it is really for business owners to be more proactive than they've ever been before. They've, they've got to keep their hands on the pulse. They've got to know what's going on with their employees, with their food cost, with, with really all costs. So just be proactive, be hands-on, and really know what's going on so you can help steer that ship when challenges come up. You know, the thing I would add to that is I would suggest to use technology as much as possible. We've got, we're in such an age right now where we've got so much technology available to ourselves. And some of our restaurant owners, they're not all young. Some of them are a little older, so they don't always consider how could how could technology help my business. Um, you still see some of the things... Uh, been doing this way for 20 years and they don't stop to think about automating things and there's a lot of automation that you can do now in the restaurant space we touched on it a little bit but that's just scratching the surface there's there's a lot more that can be used in terms of inventory orders there's just a lot available so that's what i would encourage people to do is figure out how to take advantage of technology if you're not sure get on the internet and search there's enough information out there to tell you what technology is available for you That's awesome. Well, thank you, Brandon and Charles, for being with us today. And thank you, Cindy, for being my co-host. It was great to see all of you. Happy New Year. And we look forward to seeing everyone next year again for more episodes of The Wrap. Cheers. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Kim. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.